listening to Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. On today's episode, we are going to be planning the service for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, For this uh, 2019 year, uh, Advent 4 falls on December 22nd. Uh, two days before Christmas Eve, three days before Christmas itself. Uh, Advent 4 is, of course, the last Sunday before Christmas. Uh, it happens some t- some years that uh, Advent 4 is Christmas Eve as well, uh, but Christmas Eve doesn't start until sundown. We'll talk more about that uh, on a later episode. But the culmination of the Advent season is what we're coming to now. Uh, if you recall from previous episodes when we discussed the Advent season, we talk about the three Advents of Christ, how he came as a child conceived in Mary's womb and born on Christmas Day, that's the first Advent, how he will come again on the last day uh, to, to bring us to glory, raising up all the dead and judging the living and the dead, that's the second Advent, and then how he still comes to us even now in word and sacrament, that, that is his ongoing Advent. Uh, as he comes to us when we come into the house of the Lord to receive his divine service. So now on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're going to see some of these themes tying together, and we're really coming to uh, the the darkest point in the Advent season before the the bright dawn of Christmas. Uh, the the colors, once again, that we, we discuss in Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, that darkness is pulled out, if you'll remember, uh, so that we get the rose or the pink color for for that Sunday. But now we're back to the violet, that deep, dark purple once again, uh, as we look to this, this service. Uh, keeping with some of that in mind and just the penitential nature of this season... I'm planning to do something a little bit different with uh, the, the service at Our Saviors in Albert Lee. Uh, rather than follow one of the divine services in the front part of the, the hymnary, we're going to follow a, a different service. Uh, it's called the Service of Corporate Confession and Absolution. Uh, and that service it has, has a great deal of rich meaning. It's, it's, uh, if you've got a, a hymnary, an evangelical Lutheran hymnary, uh, it starts on page 130 uh, and goes all the way over to page 132. It's it's a relatively short service um, and uh, is, is designed itself to be more or less a, a precursor to the, the divine service, especially with uh, the Holy Supper, the Lord's Supper. Um, but with this in mind, I'm going to be looking at uh, a, a few other key ideas here. The The central hymn for this Sunday is going to be hymn number 110. That's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's an antiphon hymn. The, it has a great deal of liturgical significance behind it. It's, it's, if you look at hymn 110 in the hymnary, it says underneath there, the medieval Latin antiphons. What that means is it was designed for some responsive singing uh, as part of, of the service, part of the, the the singing and the reading and such. And so I'm going to reflect some of that purpose of that hymn as we're going to sing that intermittently throughout this service. Now, the, the service of corporate confession and absolution on its own can be a very short service. Uh, it's It's really simple the way it's laid out. And so to... Not necessarily to make it longer, but uh, it it gives some flexibility for uh, more room, more <laughs> more room to do things in it because it's uh, it's not terribly long in itself. And and like I said, part of it is that that service can be used as the beginning of the divine service before moving into the the divine service of uh, of of Holy Communion, um, which therefore makes it a little bit longer, of course. 
but using it on its own. And um, part of the reason for that, too, is once we get to Christmas, Christmas Day at Our Saviors, we're going to have two services, and they are both going to have um, the Lord's Supper involved in it. And so we're really preparing for that Christmas when Jesus comes to us. Uh, and as Jesus was laid in a manger on Christmas, he is put into bread and wine for us to eat and drink on that festival Sunday. Uh, and so with this service of corporate confession and absolution, we're really hitting that point at the end of the Advent season of preparation. We are preparing to receive our Lord. So uh, with that, I'm going to kind of go through uh, more or less how the planning process goes once again. Like I said, I've already planned this, but I want to sh- talk you through how this how this is going to go. Uh, starting with the, the readings. Once again, we are using the Old Testament lectionary of Glenn Obenberger. Uh, and so with that, the, the Old Testament lesson, I am going to start by looking at the Old Testament lesson this time around, uh, comes from the book of Genesis. We're still in, in the book of Genesis. Uh, chapter 17, jumped ahead a few chapters, a few generations of uh, patriarchs here, uh, verses 15 through 22. So Genesis 17, 15 through 22. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai any more, but her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and give you, even give you a son by her. Yes, I will bless her, and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of many peoples will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to someone who is 100 years old? Will Sarah, who is 90 years old, give birth? And Abraham said to God, Oh, let Ishmael live in your presence. But God said, No, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son for you. You shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Yes, I have blessed him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him very greatly. He will become the father of twelve chiefs, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear for you at this set time next year. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. So that's the Old Testament lesson, which will also be the sermon text for this day, uh, the, the fourth Sunday of Advent. We we see the, the covenant of God given to Abraham, specifically in his son Isaac, who would be born. Uh, if you continue thinking about this too, um, Sarah laughs about this this promise that in her old age she's going to have a son um and it was part of that too that uh, that led her to give her handmaid Hagar to Abraham as a second wife so that Ishmael was born by Hagar uh Sarah wanted him to have a son that way or Sarai at that time um and that, so the, the, there's this complexity of, of the, the promise. We, we've looked at the promise from the very first Sunday of Advent. We saw that promise that the seed of the woman would be the one to conquer Satan. And now we've got that promise that actually comes to Abraham. We've skipped that part where the promise actually is given to him, but it's by no means left out. Abraham receives the promise of the, the Savior, the, the, the one who would bless all nations uh, out of his descendants. Um, but it's his descendants that's connected with his his wife, Sarah, uh, or Sarai, as her name was ultimately changed to Sarah. But uh, the, I see some significance here that it could have been Ishmael. Ishmael was Abraham's son, so it could have been through him that God caused this great blessing to come on all people. But that wasn't God's plan. God was planning to pr- bring about a miraculous birth from Sarah. Uh, and that reflects when we were preparing for Christmas, that, that other miraculous birth. The first one from Sarah is from a, a woman who is very old in her 90s. The second miraculous birth is from a woman 
who was very young and had never had sex with a man, a virgin. Uh, both of these are impossible. But God performs these miraculous births this way, and that reflects once again on that promise that it's the seed of the woman. Once again, we're looking at the women here and how God uses them uh, specifically in this. And, and to try to to force things in, in our own human way, Abraham tried, and Sarah really tried with Abraham too, to force that miracle to come about, to force that blessing to come through a human means, through the, the, the natural way, so to speak, that Abraham would have sex with his uh, wife's handmaid, Hagar, and that she would give birth to the son. But when, when we try to intervene and force our way on it, it's, that's not God's plan. That's not how he was planning to do it. Instead, he still provides his solution to all of this in sending this miraculous birth of Isaac, uh, the one who would be born, who would be uh, the one who had the, the covenant. Um, and God already tells what the, the name of, of the son is, Isaac. Uh, Sarah will bear next year, uh, this son Isaac. Um, it's <laughs> just, again, God knows, God knows what's going on. Um, so now I'll talk more about that in just a little bit, but I want to move on to the other readings for this Sunday for, for Advent 1. The epistle lesson is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Now, this is going to sound a little bit strange when I've been talking about the darkness that is coming here uh, as we prepare for Christmas, but uh, I hope it'll make sense when we look at this epistle lesson. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I, you know, I talked about the darkness of this last Sunday of Advent, but here I here I am telling you to rejoice always. And but that's the, it, it's it's not a contradiction here. That's by no means a contradiction. That uh, that passage Philippians four four was my uh, confirmation passage. It's very special to me. It was the the one that was used as the special blessing for uh, when I was confirmed. Um, I got to pick it myself. Uh, not totally sure what I was thinking in my, uh, I think, a 13-year-old brain at that time, uh, maybe 14. But uh, but I, I've continued to reflect on it in my life. And it, like I say, it's not a contradiction with the darkness of the season because even as we, I mean, we can look back at Psalm 23, the, the most familiar psalm in, uh, in American Christianity, uh, is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That idea that even in this darkness, there is cause to rejoice. Uh, Obenberger, Pastor Obenberger gives this uh, uh, theme for Advent for, uh, well, it's the Rejoice Sunday, but then he says Abraham rejoices to see Jesus' day uh, on this. So again, that, that joy that comes through here. Uh, interestingly, this, this passage of rejoice uh, is the introit for the previous Sunday. That's why it's called Gaudete. But now it's the epistle lesson. That joy from that, that pink rose Sunday uh, is carried over now because we are this close to Christmas. Uh, and so in that darkness, yes, there is a great darkness, but we, we reflect on no matter how dark it is, we have cause to rejoice always. We always rejoice because it's this peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And that's a key thought to keep in mind here. That's that peace of God surpasses all understanding. We can't grasp it. We can't understand where that peace comes from. Uh, but we know that it comes from God. Even when it's dark, even when we're confronted with our sins, we have God's peace in Christ. And that's our great comfort. 
Okay, so that's the epistle lesson. The gospel lesson is from John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. This is the testimony John gave when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? No, he answered them. Then they asked him, Who are you? Tell us so we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. They had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked John, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, or Elijah, or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered. Among you stands one you do not know. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. These things happened in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Though that gospel account, we, we hear John giving testimony, preparing the way. John comes immediately before Jesus. He's the forerunner. He's the Elijah that ushers in uh, this this kingdom of God processing forward. So we we hear about the forerunners of Christ in the, the previous Sunday, and now we have uh, this, this questioning of John. Well, we, we've reached the forerunners. We've reached that, that high brightness of that, that rose Sunday of Gaudete. So are we, is that it? Are we, have we got him? Is he here? And John says, no, wait, just a little bit more. Uh, and again, it's that, that paradox that um, it's not a contradiction, but a paradox, this, this tension uh, between he's not here yet, but, but we have him. We, we have Christ already, even though he's not here yet, you know, the, with keeping in mind that second advent, that he will come on the last day. He's not here yet, but we do have him in the word and the sacraments. Uh, that uh, he, he brings us that righteousness. He brings us what John began um, so as John preaches, so as all other preachers will preach, uh, that's, that's preparing for Christ's coming as the gospel is proclaimed. It, it, it essentially paves the road for Christ to come. And he does come in those word and sacraments and those means of grace. He does come to take up residence in our hearts to prepare us for that last day. Um, so we're, we're again, preparing for Christ and rejoicing to see his day, but it's, it's kind of a, a joy that's that's caught in our throat a little bit. It's like, yes, I want to rejoice, but I don't see him yet. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of exciting. Uh, I really enjoy it, um, This uh, these themes. Um, all right, I want to talk about the service in particular as it connects with all of these things. Um, to start off, because we're talking about this joy, this this rejoice, uh, we're going to tell people to do that. So the, the, the service is going to begin with a hymn, uh, and we're going to use hymn number 56 which is a hymn uh, that's written by uh, a pastor, U.V. Koren, who was uh, one of the uh, presidents of uh, the old Norwegian synod that uh, eventually became what is known today as the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, uh, the, the church body of which I'm, I'm a member. Um, and U.V. Koren, Ulrich Wilhelm Koren, uh, is a, a, a foundational um, uh, pastor uh, and theologian in in the the Norwegian synod, and he wrote this this great and beautiful hymn, hymn number fifty six, "Ye lands to the Lord," and it's "Ye lands to the Lord, make a jubilant noise, glory be to God. Oh, serve Him with joy in His presence. Now rejoice, sing praise unto God out of Zion." The, the, these um, it, it's a praise song, uh, praise Him. Uh, it, it confesses the truth about who God is. Uh, it uh, it 
encourages us to to enter into the worship space. You know, we're in Zion here, and Zion representing the people of God, but also the hill where the temple is. So we're there on that temple mount praising God. You know, let us go into the house of the Lord. We are in that house, so let's praise him from where we are. Uh, and we have that that sure mercy of God, uh, that, that, that confidence that we have in his presence that he does send Christ to save us, even though we don't see him yet. So we're going to start on that high point in this... Um, this service of confession and absolution, uh, which it sounds maybe dark to, to call it the, that service of corporate confession and absolution, but I want to emphasize that second part, the idea of the absolution, because the focus of this whole service is going to be on the forgiveness of sins. And how does that come to us? It comes to us because of Christ, who, who came to earth to win that salvation for us, and as he continues to come in word and sacrament so that we do have that eternal life, um, his his word gives that all to us. Um, so that's that's the first hymn. Then uh, we move on to uh, the invocation and versicles in the service of corporate confession and absolution, which is a, a, a an interesting combination of the the beginning of the divine service, the in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit with the sign of the cross, uh, the the baptismal formula that's called the invocation. That's normally found at the beginning of divine services. But then the versicles, make haste, O God, to deliver me, make haste to help me, O Lord, with uh, some more um, psalm verses that, that come through here. That sounds more like one of the services of the hours, matins or, or vespers uh, or primer compline. There are several in the, in the hymnary here, which is one of the, the services that rotates around the divine service. The divine service is the central uh, worship activity of the church. It happens on Sunday morning, uh, centered around the, the word and the sacraments. Uh, but then the, 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 I've heard it described that that's the sun uh, and then the, the daily office, the, the services of the hours throughout the week are the planets that rotate around it. And so we're getting kind of both of those combined in this service of corporate confession and absolution uh, where, where we, we are centered on that divine service of Sunday morning, but we're also rotating around it. And, and that uh, kind of gets at the theme of the service of corporate confession and absolution, that real preparation for the sacrament of the altars is what it's all about, as well as you know receiving that um, forgiveness of sins. Uh, then it goes on to a psalm, and uh, this this service suggests penitential psalms, but uh, rather than that, I'm going to use the appropriate psalm for Advent four, which is Psalm 19, um, and that's uh, in the hymnary. It's on page 175. Psalm 19 says, "The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows." His handiwork, uh, and it uses tone one, which is um, one one of the most basic uh, tones here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork, and it goes on like that. You might not recognize some of the the, the words there. Uh, you got it. Ye lands to the Lord is based more or less on Psalm nineteen, talking about how creation praises the Lord. That praise is uh, something that. Um, the whole world is involved in. Uh, we see that happen at Jesus' birth as well, how the whole world just kind of pauses, takes a breath, and the, the, the heavens break open with the, the sound of the angels singing that praise. There's a star that proclaims that the, the king is here. Uh, we have those, uh, those Christmas creches, the nativity scenes of the stable where the animals are even there worshiping around the, the altar of Christ, which is the, the manger in which he is now laid. Um, 
So yes, the, the whole world is proclaiming uh, that praise to God. All right, now, now here's where, where uh, things are going to get interesting. Uh, the next comes the, a lesson from Scripture uh, as well as a confessional homily. Uh, and so what I'm going to do here is this is, this is where that um, uh, hymn 110 is going to come in. So rather than go straight into the lesson from Scripture, I'm going, we're going to sing hymn 110 verse 1, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Uh, of course, then we get rejoice, rejoice, that theme of Advent 4, rejoice. Uh, that's the, the refrain that comes for each verse. But so that we'll sing that first verse. And then I'm going to look back at the uh, Old Testament lesson here, because this is how we're going to do this. I'm going to break up the Old Testament lesson. Rather than read the whole thing in one go, we're going to uh, divide it through these verses. So after singing verse 1 of hymn 110, uh, we're going to read Genesis 17, verse 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai anymore, but her name will be Sarah. Uh, emphasizing the change in name there, uh, that uh, when God comes, he gives us a new name, and Sarah now means uh, a princess. Well, Sarai is a variant, it more or less means the same thing, but but Sarah really gets that, that theme of, of princess. It's the feminine form of Sar, prince. Uh, one of the names of Jesus is Sar Shalom, prince of peace. And Sarah is uh, the one through whom that Prince of Peace would come. He's the seed of that woman as well. Uh, so getting getting that one. Uh, I don't want to just write the sermon right here, but that's that's the, the first section. Then verse 2 of hymn 110. Uh, well, I, I, after reading that verse, I'm going to give a short homily on that verse. That's, that's more or less the theme here. We'll sing a hymn verse, read a couple verses from the, the, the Old Testament lesson, have a short homily on that verse. Uh, then we go to verse 2. O come thou wisdom from on high, who orderest all things mightily to us, the path of knowledge show and teach us in her ways to go. Wisdom. Okay. Then verse 16 of uh, Genesis 17. I will bless her and even give you a son by her. Yes, I will bless her and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of many people, peoples will come from her. Um, contrary to human wisdom, which we get more of uh, in Abraham's response coming up. But uh, that, that these princes and kings are going to come, which leads into why she received this new name of Sarah, that emphatic princess name. Princes and kings come from her. The prince of peace comes from her. Uh, so that's the next homily that comes out. Then verse 3 of him 110, O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Picture of, Mount, picture of Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments being given, uh, and then we hear uh, Genesis 17, 17, and a homily based on it. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to someone who is 100 years old? Will Sarah, who is 90 years old, give birth? And of course, we're to be reminded there uh, that uh, it's it's not up to our, our human ability. Once again, this is, this is God. God who gave the law on Mount Sinai is going to give this son to uh, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, then we sing verse 4 of the hymn, O come, thou rod of Jesse's stem, from every foe deliver them that trust thy mighty power to save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Uh, the, the rod of Jesse's stem, that's a, that's a prophecy that comes in the Old Testament a number of times. Uh, descendant of Jesse, descendant of David, who would be a, a descendant here of Abraham and Sarah. Through them, that's, that's, he's the king, David is the king. But then the greater king comes from David, uh, who would have the victory and not victory over any human power uh, alone but over over the grave over death that's what he provides here uh, and so then we read uh, verses 18 and 19 
of uh, Genesis 17. And Abraham said to God, Oh, let Ishmael live in your presence. But God said, No, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son for you. You shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. We get those descendants, including David, that comes. Uh, and it's an everlasting covenant. That uh, that covenant with David said that he, his descendants would never not be on the throne. Uh, and that came in Jesus, who has yet to be unseated. <laughs> uh, so there we, there, there you have it. It's it's not uh, the, the human power being raised in, in Ishmael, but God's covenant that he establishes with Isaac, that seed of the woman, and uh, then his descendants. Verse 5 of the hymn, O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Uh, pointing to where Jesus would lead us, what he is going to accomplish. Uh, the key of, of David, uh, I can think of the office of the keys, opening heaven for us through the forgiveness of sins. Uh, okay, then we go to uh, Genesis seventeen twenty and 21 and a homily based on that. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Yes, I have blessed him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him very greatly. He will become the father of 12 chiefs and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear for you, bear for you at this set time next year. Uh, once again, God's mercy is, is provided here in both an earthly sense and a heavenly sense. Uh, well, and it's, it's more than just uh, even that uh, dichotomy, but uh, that, uh, sure, he's going to give Ishmael this blessing, but the greater blessing he's going to give to Isaac. The blessings come as God provides it. He leads that way, once again, that, that comes through that hymn verse. He leads the way on high, and he does that through, through Jesus. Verse 6 of the hymn, O come thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. The day spring, he's the dawn. He rises and, and gives that light. Uh, he gives us joy. The, the reason we have to rejoice is because Jesus dispersed the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. He defeated death, as we sang earlier as well, gives us the light of eternity, the light of that final eternal day. Uh, so with uh, verse 6, then we go to Genesis seventeen twenty two with the homily on that. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Uh, that departure. So here's where we get that tension again. That departure uh, of God from Abraham. Uh, it would be easy for for Abraham to see the absence of God as the thing. Now we don't. He doesn't see God. So how can he even rely on his promises? But he does rely on those promises. He does trust him. So us now. We don't see Jesus. We, we are yet to celebrate Christmas. We haven't done that yet. And that reflects also on our waiting for the second advent. We don't see him yet. He, he's not here. So how can we trust him? But we do. We have faith that is given to us. Uh, God has promised to establish his covenant with Isaac, who's yet to be born. And he's promised to come and bring us to our eternal home. So even though he departed from us visibly, he will come. So we can rejoice even in this deep darkness. Uh, and then with that, to, to close off these, these homilies, uh, then we uh, sing verse 7, O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease, and be thyself our king of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel, as it says, uh, the refrain for each of those verses. So we conclude with that uh, final prayer, uh, which is ultimately, come, Maran Maranatha, uh, which is uh, through all of these things, but he's the desire of nations. Uh, bind us together, remove our divisions, unify us as, as Christians, give us uh, a true faith that, that unites us all uh, in the joy of, of seeing the King of Peace who arrives. 
Um, okay, so that's uh, that, that bulk of, of the service there. The, the service of corporate confession and absolution uh, will continue. Then we'll, we'll, pray, or we'll uh, read uh, the epistle lesson and the gospel lesson uh, following these homilies to, to wrap up these themes all together. Then we go to the confession of sin, uh, which uh, will very pointedly have each person in the pew examine their hearts uh, to see how they have sinned against the, the, the word of God, sinned against God's commands but then also how they can be sure of the forgiveness of sins that is coming to them uh, in uh, the absolution that will follow immediately. And then we have the absolution that the, the pastor pro- pronounces the forgiveness of all the sins uh, uh, that of each individual be- based on their confession, based on the, the call and the command of God to forgive those sins so we can be sure. This is meant to be a great comfort that now having heard the word, we see the one who was to come from Sarah and Abraham, the, the, the promised child, Isaac, and leading ultimately to his descendant, Jesus, uh, gives that forgiveness of sins for all of us. Uh, after the absolution, then we continue with, uh, we're, we're going to confess the Apostles' Creed, uh, then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. Um, so we confess our faith uh, in, in God's promise of our forgiveness of sins and in Jesus, and then we pray uh, the prayer that he taught us, the, that we can be confident he always answers. We pray then uh, the collect uh, that comes in this service, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, you have given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to your church for the perfecting of the saints and the edification of your faithful people. We thank you for your great mercy, and we bless your holy name that you have not dealt with us as we have deserved by our sins or faithlessness, but that you have preserved for us, even to this day, your holy word and your precious sacraments. We pray that you would continue to have mercy upon us. May your Holy Spirit enlighten and direct us, comfort and strengthen us to the joy of the angels and the increase of your kingdom. May your blessing abide on our pastors whom you have appointed to be the shepherds of our souls. And may we all be built up in the true faith upon the rock of our salvation, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit is worthy of all praise and glory, now and forever. Amen. Um, it it uh, connects with that uh, the gospel lesson with uh, John the Baptist. Uh, he's a prophet. He's he's not the Christ. But what's his purpose as a prophet? Uh, to preach the word and to edify God's people. So it's the same with, with pastors. What the pastor has just said in this service, what I've just said to the people here is your sins are forgiven. And so we pray to God, thank you for giving that word into the mouths of men so that we can hear it uh, and be built up in that faith. Uh, really nicely uh, concludes that. Then we'll pray the co- the appropriate collect for this day. Uh, it's collect number seven in the hymn around page 148, the collect for Advent 4. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. Come once again. And help us with your great might that whatever is hindered by our sins may be speedily accomplished by your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. I saved that little bit until the end here uh, because I wanted to, to emphasize this, that um, the, the sins that hinder Jesus Christ coming really are what he comes to solve <laughs> uh, that uh, that our sins which provide this darkness are dispersed by the light of Jesus coming uh, and that's again that tension that comes out here uh, we'll conclude by singing hymn 592 praise God from whom all blessings flow and then hear the benediction uh, the Aaronic blessing uh, of, of the Lord's name spoken three times in blessing over the people 
So that's uh, the the service for December twenty second, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, I'm very excited about this service. It's it's unique. This service of corporate confession and absolution. I think it's very appropriate for this penitential season, especially at the end here. Um, it's not the practice at our Savior's to have uh, the Lord's Supper on the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, but uh, given that we have that uh, festival coming up in, later in that week, uh, it's especially important uh, to prepare for that uh, supper that comes to us. Uh, the body of Jesus that was born of Mary, that body that was laid in the manger will be laid on our tongues uh, in that Christmas service. Uh, and so we prepare for that. We prepare for that coming to see that that body, that blood takes away our sins. Uh, so we confess our sins, knowing that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins. He offers us that free and full forgiveness in Christ. Uh, and so we praise him for that. Once again, with that conclusion with the doxology, we do praise him. Uh, we, we praise him for these blessings, even in this darkness. That's really the paradox that comes through here. In the darkness, we praise God. In, in the in the unenlightenedness of our reason, uh, we praise him for the blessings that he provides. Uh, in our confusion at the difficulties we face, we praise him for the, the, the cure, for the salvation he provides in Christ. So that's uh, what we're looking forward to for Advent 4. Uh, continue to be in contact. You can go to the website, tapestryradio.org slash Lord's House. Uh, you can put in some contact uh, in, in that Tapestry website. You can find me, myself, on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, you can find the church, OurSaviorsELS.com. Uh, and uh, un until next time, peace be within you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From, From our, our fancy, fancy to yours. To yours.